Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, we're going to continue in our series on the knowledge of the holy. And um, as we've been working from this statement, your understanding of who God is dictates the course and future of your life. How important it is for us to know the God that we worship. We've used Hebrews 11.6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone that, come, that comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who early seek after him. There's a promise. And I've encouraged you to read the Tozer book that this title is based on, The Knowledge of the Holy. It's a great book, uh, short chapters, which I always love. Uh, but it really points you because we are not to worship in ignorance. God desires to be worshiped, but not, not like we don't know what's going on. We need to understand who he is. And as we grow in that, and I'm telling you, you never stop growing in that. I've been a Christian now 40 plus years. And you never stop growing in your understanding of who God is. And the older you get, the more you forget. So you're kind of relearning it anyways as you're going through. Of just the majesty and the glory of God, which helps us worship. And as we've talked about these attributes, and attributes are basically the character traits of God that are defined in Scripture. This is what the Bible says about God. It's not everything about God because he's infinite. I mean, come to heaven. That's why heaven is eternity for us to understand who God is. But these are the things that have been revealed in Scripture that I'm hoping will encourage us. The first week we talked about the character traits of self-existence, self-sufficiency, and eternity. That God depends on nothing, needs nothing for existence. His self-sufficiency. He needs nobody. He doesn't even need us, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to use us to make his work happen. But here's the deal. Well, what if I choose not to be used? Much like Jeff was talking about the omniscience of God all-knowing, God has something out here that he wants. It's going to happen no matter what. He wants to use me in the process, but if I choose to say no, which he's given me the right to do, He's got four other things to go that way to accomplish this task. He's always got backup because his plan will always come about. And, we t- and then we talked about the eternity of God. Jeff talked about infinitude, uh, the immunity of God, um, immutability of God, and the omniscience of God. And today we're going to cover three more. First off, the divine wisdom of God. Daniel 2, 20 through 23 says this. And said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my Father, who you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked for. You have made known to me the dream of the king. God is wise unto himself. 
And any wisdom that we have, any wisdom that angels have, any wisdom comes from the throne of God. It's nothing that you possess. It's something that God has allowed you to know and to have. It's a gift from him. And being that Jeff talked, he talk, when he talked about the whole omniscience of God, that God knows everything, which could, should kind of scare us a little bit because God knows everything. I mean, he knows everything about you. Even the Daniel passage, the hidden things in darkness. He knows. He knows you better than anybody else. But this wisdom is if you have knowledge that's knowing the things, but wisdom is the practical application of those things. That's how Tozer put it. Wisdom is the ability to devise perfect ends to achieve those ends by most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning, so there can be no need to guess or conjecture, and is thus able to work toward predestined goals with flawless precision. Again, that's back to, this is going to happen. He wants to use me, but he'll choose someone else to get this done because he has perfect wisdom. In wisdom, it says that God created the universe, Proverbs 3.19. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens into place. In wisdom, he created us human beings, Psalm 104, verse 24, how many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Again, all the things that God has made, including us, the stars in heaven, was made by his wisdom. And all God's actions are done in perfect wisdom. Now, Ephesians 3, Paul talks about the manifold wisdom of God. His intent, Paul says, was that now through the church, through the church, that's us, and that's not just horizon, that's all Christians around the world, his universal church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Guys, this is not just talking about the rulers, the governors, the president, the senators, the mayors. That's not what this is referring to. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That not only including angels, that's including the devil himself. That his manifold wisdom through the church, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has this wisdom that he wants to show the entire world. And it's through you and it's through me. It's through his church. It's through every church in this community, every church in this state, every church in the world. That God's goal is that I am revealing my manifold wisdom to you. And it's through Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 1 through 3. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally, my purpose is that they may be encouraged, heart and, and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order, now don't miss this, that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God wants to 
extend his manifold wisdom and as how he's chosen to do that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And when you have a relationship with him, when the church has that vital relationship with him, all of a sudden that wisdom, and when he says all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge, he wants to extend to you. Well, guys, that comes when you take time to spend with him. I say this in prayer all the time. It's, okay, we pray. I understand we pray. We pray in cars. We pray in showers. We pray out. I mean, we pray a lot, but how much time do you spend listening? How much time, after you've asked him for this and this and cover this and be this and I need help with this, then we just get up and go about our way. Then we're not sitting there in silence and listening to the hidden treasures the wisdom and knowledge from him. I mean, it's not happening that way. The Lord, I need this and need this. Amen. And he goes like this and we walk away. Try that in a marriage relationship. All right. All right. You listen, your, your wife is telling, your husband's telling you something okay, and you just walk away. You don't respond. They ask you questions. They ask what's coming on, what's for dinner, whatever it may be. You just walk away. How often we do that. I'm not saying that every time, okay. I'll give you 30 seconds, Lord, okay? But it says, be still and what? Know that I'm God. It's in that time that Jesus possesses this manifold wisdom that he wants to extend to the church that is going to be this wisdom shown throughout all the world. It's going to show every authority and everything that Jesus is the manifold wisdom, and through us he pours that. And uses that. 1 Corinthians 1.24. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God is there. Verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. You have become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness and holiness and redemption. It's through that relationship that we have with him that, per, that manifold wisdom is brought about. That manifold wisdom in Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. His wisdom is so deep, there's no bottom to this pond, but yet he wants to extend that to us. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable is judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. This is not saying it's unsearchable, so don't try to search. You will never stop in your searching. You'll never end. You'll never reach the bottom. It's never, I mean, again, this is that thing. We're preparing. All of us are preparing for this meeting with God. And the point now is that we need to learn about him that we're going to spend, who we're going to spend eternity with. James describes this wisdom that comes from above in James 3.17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This wisdom that comes to you, which James then tells us, that is a gift that when we ask, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. 
Again, if God is moving and you need wisdom in a certain thing, you pray and you give him a couple minutes or whatever and it doesn't come, then you act on your own. Or how about if we just say, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm not going to act on this until I hear from heaven. Because he promises to tell you. He does. That can, that's found in prayer. That's found in silence. That's found reading his word. That that is what God wants to do. And I, I love this definition. I, I, I always talk about this great website. It's called gotquestions.org. If you've got a question about the Bible, God, go to gotquestions.org. Type it in, and you'll get a bunch of different answers. And so far, I've, it, it's just been an incredible resource. I typed in there, the manifold wisdom of God. And this is a quote that I got from that. The manifold wisdom of God as a global body of Christ-shaped tapestry. I love that, that image. Our individual lives are the various colored threads woven together in unity of purpose to display God's manifold wisdom through Christ. We do this by taking the good news of salvation in Christ Jesus and all the people of the world. That he shows that wisdom in you and you and you and you and you and you. Different colors that just bring about this beautiful tapestry where God is showing his manifold wisdom which he wants to give to us. Your understanding of who God is dictates the course and future of your life. The omnipotence of God. Sovereignty and omnipotence really go hand in hand. They must go together. One cannot exist without the other. To reign, God must have power. And to reign sovereignly, he must have all power. That God is all-powerful. In your Bibles, you, you will not see that word, omnipotence of God, but you will see the word almighty. God is almighty, 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 over 56 times, almighty, almighty. That is talking about his power. All power is required to do all that he wills, to, uh, Tozer says, to do lies in undiminished fullness in his own infinite being. All power is there. He can do anything. Because it, it's his universe, his world. I, I say that often, Lord, I don't under, when I don't understand, it's your universe, your world, you're all powerful. You can do whatever. Yet in his sovereignty, there's some things he chooses not to do. I mean, it, it's funny. I when we were back in Georgia, somebody said, well, you're going to pray for your leg to grow? You know, I've never prayed for my leg to grow. And I, I, you know, that would be weird. I'm going to tell you, if I walked up here with a full, I mean, this church would be packed, I think, after that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not that God can't, because he can do anything he wants. I've seen God move in miraculous ways. And then other things, God says, no. This still works within my plan. Because, because of this, the opportunities that I have. I got to be a homeless vet in a, in a, in a homeless camp in Georgia because of this. All right? And I look at that because that was an incredible opportunity. God gives me opportunity to speak to people, to coach people who are now going through this exact same thing. God knows what he's doing. He can do whatever he wants. There's a guy by the name of A.B. Simpson. I mean, he's passed away now, Simpson College. Some of you know how people have gone to there. 
But A.B. Simpson was a Canadian pastor, author, and teacher. And in his mid-30s, he had a kind of like a midlife crisis. Some of us know what that is. And he was depressed. His health was bad. He was looking to quit the ministry. And he was listening to a Negro spiritual that said this. Nothing is too hard for Jesus. No man can work like him. And that pierced his heart. And he got away with God, just him and God, for quite a long time. And all of a sudden, that whole thing, there's nothing too hard. There's no one like God. He has all the power. All of a sudden, his soul was energized, and he began the CMA Church, the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, which is one of the biggest missionary arms in the world today because he found that the power, I can rest, not on my own power, because that's the problem. When we start resting on ourselves, that's when we get burned out. That's when we lose our strength. But when we rest in his power, I mean, God has all the power over all things at all times and in all ways. When I typed that, it kept coming up to me. This is not how you say these things. Different words should be used. No, this makes sense to me. God has all power over all things at all times and all ways. Everything you're facing today, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, God has all the power. I need to lean into that, realize, God, you are all powerful. You can do whatever you want. And I ask him to do things, and sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says wait, and then sometimes he says what? No. Is that an answer, by the way? Yeah. It's not what we like. Job said this, Job 42, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Now think about that, guys. If you know God's going to win, when you see all this stuff happening in the news and around the world and everything, that should give you rest. God's got this. God, I don't understand. Can he just snap his fingers and cause this to stop or cause this to happen? But it's his plan. God's plan will not be thwarted by you, by the devil, nobody. Because he is all-powerful. His omniscience, his power is shown in creation. Psalm 36, 33, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, that starry host of the breath of his mouth. And remember, when David's reading this, he doesn't have the images we do. He just looked up the, you know, they were like big balls of gas up there. And how, they didn't even know that. They're just little dots in the sky. But now we look through James Webb telescope and, oh, man, can you imagine if David wrote now of what he saw in the heavens? God's power is seen in preserving creation. God's power is seen in governments and holding or taking them away. We read part of Daniel 2, 21. He changes times and season. He sets up kings and opposes them. Now, when Daniel's writing, I mean, there the Jews have been taken away to Babylon. They're cruel kings, and he's saying, hey, he will raise up kings, and he will take them away. That should give us hope. That should give us encouragement that we sit back and realize, thank you, God. You've got this. Now, I don't know why you put that person in power. I don't know why that person's making decisions. But God says, part of my plan. Part of my plan. I'll put them in, and I'll take them away. Because he's got all the power to do that. He told, he told Pilate. Jesus told Pilate, hey, you have no power other than what God has given you. 
And Jesus Christ, being the incarnate God, is also has all the power. And in your notes, there are a lot of verses to look up. But just the power that Jesus Christ had. And here's the great mystery, that this power is something that we tag into. Not only just wisdom, but the power of God is at our resource as well. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, as Paul is praying, he's got this thorn in his flesh. Doesn't know what, we don't know what it is. Thank God we don't because we can substitute anything in there. And he prayed three times, may this pass away from me. And God said what? No. And he gives a reason in verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me so that he can show off through me because we are all weak in some way. We all have thorns in some way. And God says, no, I'm not going to take that away. I need you to rest in my, in my grace, in my sufficiency, in my sovereignty, in my power, and it will be on display in your life if you choose to. Again, it's all up to us how we're going to do that. Power is at work in us. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Guys, I can imagine a lot of things. And he can go beyond that according to his power that is at work in me. His power holds me up. It keeps me from sin. It's going to be sung about in heaven for eternity. When I rest in that power to realize that God can do anything, he has the power to do anything because it's his world. That's why your understanding of who God is dictates the course and the future of your life. Lastly, the divine transcendence of God. I like saying that word, transcendence. It sounds very spiritual. I had to look it up what it meant, though. And Webster says, transcendent means to exist above and independent from to rise above, surpass, or succeed. That's why when we sing in songs, when we say, God, you, may you be exalted above all things, that is where we're lifting him up above everything else. But here's the problem. In our mind, we kind of look at, you know, all right, God and then angels, and, and we kind of put things in order of things. Let me illustrate it. How many have been to Yosemite? Raise your hand. Okay. You that have not raised your hand, go to Yosemite. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's breathtaking. And let's say those who just didn't raise their hand, they decided to go on an excursion. They got friends and they got family. And as you're looking at the majesty of Yosemite, I mean, the falls are in full force. The trees are starting to change. I mean, it is just beauty, nature at its best. You're seeing people climbing up the yeah, El Capitan. You're asking, why? I mean, again. But one person in your group, there's a little four-year-old girl, red-headed girl, who wanders off and gets lost. All of a sudden, you're sitting there at the grandeur and the beauty and all that is before you means nothing because now you are in panic. 
You don't notice the mountains. You don't notice the waterfalls. You don't notice the clouds in the sky. You notice nothing. All you are doing at that point in time is crying out for that little girl. You're looking under everything where she could be, behind a rock, behind a tree. Everything is focused in on that little girl. And why? Because that little girl it can say hello. That little girl loves. She's a beautiful, beautiful little girl. And she can pray. And Yosemite can't do that. All of a sudden, the focus is on her, not everything around you. The child's quality of being gives her worth over all of that. Again, we look at putting, all right, God, I, you know, we say God is above. Because it's like saying the gulf that separates the archangel from a caterpillar is finite. It is. I mean, I, I love nature. I love little caterpillars. I'll stare at them all day long looking, looking at that. And, but if an archangel showed up, you, whoa, wow. But that space between a caterpillar and an archangel is finite. But the space between an archangel and God is infinite. When he is exalted, when he is transcendent, he is so much higher. He forever stands apart from everything. And that's to grab hold of that because we see things, and again, we, we stack them in order, but God is so far removed from that. He's so, I mean, he's infinitely above all those things. And much like getting back to Yosemite, when I read that story, I go, I get it. Because I've lost Micah. And I know the panic sets in. I mean, I couldn't re even recall what color his bathing suit was at a, at a theme park. He just wandered off. And I'm just thinking about what I'm going to do to the guy who took my son. What's the color of his suit? I don't know. All right? And I'm just looking because everything didn't matter other than finding my son. We found him, obviously. He's in the back. <laughs> God is so much higher than all of that. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans 11. Oh, the depth and riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Here, here's, here's the great paradox. The scriptures that God is just he's unsearchable. He's unknowable. Yet at the same time, he wants to be known. Uh, this is, wait, you say uh, you're unsearchable, but then you tell me to search for you to know you. Jeremiah 9.23. We started the whole series with this verse. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of strength or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts about this, that he understands and knows me. that he understands 
and knows me. That the God of heaven, the unknown, seeks to be known. The one who's unsearchable wants you to search. You'll never come to the end of your search. You'll never reach the bottom. But all the joy in the journey. I tell that to married couples all the time. All right, Usually you fell in love because men, you were pursuing your wife. You were pursuing her. And that's who she fell in love with. And then all of a sudden you stop pursuing because you won. You've got a picture on the mantle. You've got to go like you, you, you bagged her. And so now she's yours and you don't have to do those things anymore. Guys, that's what made her fall in love with you. This is free marriage advice, no charge at all. It's the guy who would write cards or write letters or sit in the car and just talk that she fell in love with. And she still desires to be searched after. And there's no end to who she is. Why? I believe because God, when he created man in his own image and in his own likeness, made male and female, there's part of man that got an image of God and a woman got a different image of God, different part of it. The man got this adventuresome, I'm going to ride in and save the day. That's why us guys like, you know, saving, saving Private Ryan and Braveheart and, you know, 300, not spotted shall die this day. I mean, we love those movies because there's a hero. There's one who rescues. But the little boy inside of us says, I don't know if I can be that guy, but we want to be that guy. Why? Because God is that guy. And what did he give woman? The desire to be worshipped. Now, women, you, I, I, again, you, you say, I don't desire to be worshipped. I really don't. Okay, you're lying to me if you're really true. I mean, um, and if your wife, men, tells you, you don't have to give me anything for my anniversary or my birthday or Valentine's. She's lying to you. <laughs> because every woman wants to be sought after. Because that's what worship is. It's seeking after and God wants to be sought after. And I wrote this question now. God wants us to seek him, to know him. Yet how can the infinite possible, how can the finite possibly know and understand the infinite when our minds and thoughts are so far beneath his? And that's the beauty of Jesus Christ. John 1, 9 through 13 says this. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. He's speaking of the Jews, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, that receive means to embrace. That receive means to seek after. To those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God, the holy incarnation. The reason Jesus Christ came, yes, was to die on a cross for sin so I can have a relationship with him. But he came so that I may know who God is. That when you read the New Testament and you, you, read, you know, read the letters in red if you have one of those, 
you're seeing his father. I mean, again, to the disciples, you know, show us the father. He says, have I been with you this long? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. God wants to, desires to be known. Your understanding of who God is dictates the course and the future of your life. He wants, he is all wise and he wants to give us that wisdom. He's all powerful, yet he wants to, us to live in that power. He is transcendent, unsearchable, unknowable. Oh, but he desires more than anything to be known. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. How do we do this? With God's divine wisdom, a couple questions. Are you seeking his wisdom? I mean, literally seeking after that. How do I do this? How do I do this? Should I do this way, Lord? What direction should I go? And then wait and listen. Sometimes that answer is just like that. Sometimes you're reading the scriptures and boom, there it is. Sometimes it takes longer to listen. And the impulses, that's why I encourage you guys to journal because it's in that journaling. I, don't, I do not journal every day. I mean, I got a stack of my journals this tall and that's my entire, that's 40 years worth. So I don't write something every day. I usually keep it to a page. Um, but it's the thoughts and the prayers that I write down in there. I'm going to get away this week as, as I do every year. And I bring my journals with me. And I read through my journals. Not every word of them. I just kind of skip around. But then I remember, oh, I forgot about how you showed up here, God. That's right. And how you showed up here. And how you dealt with that. You, you, you brought that out of my life. How this thing's still a part of my life that I'm struggling with. And all of a sudden it gives perspective. And when I seek him, should I go this direction? Should I go this way? Which way should the church be going? I ask you to pray for me this week as I get away. Um, as I seek God, uh, I get away for days by myself and... Um, I have my Bible, I have my journal, I have my notes, I have my guitar, I have a blank piece of paper. Sometimes the staff always freak out. Oh, no, he's going away. What is he going to come back with? Um, and when I tell people that, I say, guys, all I'm doing is trying to create space for God to speak. And in the stillness is when God seems to speak. Are you taking that time? Are you asking? And like that tapestry, are you choosing to be a part of the church? We're sharing our faith, using the gifts that God has given us. That is that beautiful tapestry that on the world stage, we're all tied together to show off God's manifold wisdom. His omnipotence is all-powerful. Are you allowing God's power to be displayed in your weakness? <laughs> Much like this is eight years old, this amputation, and I had several, many people all the time, like, man, you have such a good attitude about this. You know, I said, well, what other option do I have? I can be a real pain in the derriere 
I can complain and moan and everything else, or I can tell you, all right, God, this is your, in your sovereignty. Show off your power in my weakness. May your power be displayed. And are you living that life where your dependency is upon his power and not yours? Yes, he gives you talents. Yes, he gives you ideas. He gives you those things, but he wants us to be empowered by him. And that comes back to listening to him and hearing that still small voice inside of us and then acting upon it because that's when his power is on display. And God's transcendence. Forever God stands apart forever from everything. In your notes, there's a quote from Tozer, the book, Pursuit of God. And um, he has this, let the average man be put to the proof of the questions of who is above and his true position will be exposed. When you ask the question, how about where is God compared to my money? Where is God compared to other men? Where is God there compared to personal ambition? Where is God with just myself? Where is God when I'm seeking out love? Is God premier? Is God first? Or is he second? And those are the things, guys, when you go to the notes and when you maybe go over this and read the scripture again, God, are you first? Today. Because that's all I got is today. I haven't got tomorrow. Am I going to choose to put you as preeminent? transcendent that you are? Am I going to choose to lean in on the power of God? Am I going to choose to seek out your wisdom, to live this day, to love on my family, to work my job, to be a neighbor? Father, you promised to give me that wisdom, and I'm going to lean into that. Guys, you can't do that apart from not being in your word, not being in the Bible. I'm going to beat that drum to the day I die you got to be in the Word because you're not going to know about who the Father is unless you read the words of Jesus because he's, he's showing us who God is. You're not going to read it until you, you dive into the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. And yesterday I just, I just read through the book of Micah and just was amazed. I know I've read it before. We named our son after the book. But man, when you read it in one setting and you're seeing the action, the hand of God, you're saying, God, you do direct all things. So why am I worrying? If I know you got this, and you tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to act when I feel like you've directed me this way, that's when God shows up. God can only be known through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, guys. That's where his wisdom, that's where his power, that's where his transcendence is exposed. Do you have that? If you don't, I'm going to be down here. You come up to me, Tim, I don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never made a personal decision that I will follow him today and for the rest of my life. Don't leave here without taking that opportunity. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. You gave us breath. You got us here, which means you're not done with us yet. There's still something that you want us to do. Father, may your wisdom, your power, your transcendence be on display in our lives. May they not just be words, but active so that your manifold wisdom, which is on display for all the world to see of you using us 
using us in this beautiful, beautiful threads of color all which way to make this beautiful tapestry. Father, may we make that choice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.